Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost my turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Yeah, and I've thought about this a lot, about what I think happened. I said at the earlier, one of the earlier episodes, and I don't remember which one, that I didn't actually think this was a premeditated murder, that I thought this was a crime of passion. And I know a lot of people disagree with that. And one thing I want to say is I think when you try and draw some sort of hard and fast line between premeditated and a crime of passion, I think that's a mistake. I think there are elements of premeditation in this case, but I actually think it, the reason I think it's not premeditated is because I think Adnan had a false hope. And I think the false hope is what actually led to the murder in the first place. So let's go all the way back to the beginning and talk about what we know. We know that the night before Hay disappears, Adnan, she's on the phone with Don. Adnan is trying to call her, ostensibly to give her his phone number. The other thing we know is that they had had this really passionate relationship. It was one that affected Adnan a lot. I don't think anybody denies that. They'd been broken up for about a month, but really things had taken a turn in those days leading up to her death. On Christmas, they're giving each other expensive gifts. When Hay gets to a car wreck, she's not just calling Don, she's calling Adnan to come down and take a look at it. And I think even asking Adnan for rides at that point. But sometime about a week before, there'd been a big change. We talked so much about that AIM profile. And you guys may think this is funny, but it's not. That was a huge deal. And it was indicative of a change in Hayes' mindset. It is quite possible that on Christmas of 1998, both Hay and Adnan thought they would get back together at some point. But I think by January 13th, Hay had moved on. I don't think... Adnan had. And I think Adnan had a plan for the 13th. I think he planned to get into Hayes' car, and I think he intended to try and win her back. A lot of what I'm going to say here is obviously speculation. We'll never know the exact truth unless Adnan tells us one day, or unless it turns out that we're wrong, Adnan's innocent, and we get a, either evidence of another killer or someone else confesses. But I think Based on a few facts, we know this is what happened. And I'll lay out some of those facts, and you guys can judge for yourself. One thing we know is that Adnan told multiple people about a conversation he and Hay had, where Hay attempted to get back together with him, where Hay asked him to go to prom, and he said no. He told her, no, I'm fine with our relationship the way it is. I think both Alice and I indicated we think, like many lies, there was some truth to that lie. That conversation was had but it was the opposite of what Adnan said. I think that morning he made an effort to get into Hay's car. I think he asked her for a ride. I think she said yes, but I actually think it's possible that Becky is right, that what Becky heard when Hay told Adnan she had something else to do was real. But I think what Hay was doing was making up an excuse. And I base this, and this is a little bit of a stretch, but I base this on Hayes' behavior at lunch. We talked about this. One of her other friends, it might even have been Becky, said that they saw Hay in the lunchroom and she seemed wistful. And they asked her, 
what are you thinking about? And she said, Dawn. And we kind of flippantly interpreted that back in our first episodes as she was sort of daydreaming about Dawn. But I wonder if that's actually what it was. I wonder if Hay was feeling a little guilty. She's in love with Dawn. She's in a very sort of, for her, serious relationship with him. And yet she's still doing things with and for her former boyfriend, Adnan. And I kind of wonder if at lunch she felt a little guilty about that. And I wonder if after lunch she told Adnan, you know what? I'm not going to be able to take you. But I also wonder if Adnan, being charming and convincing, convinced her that she was his only option. His car was in the shop and he needed her help. And at some point she decided, okay, I will take you. It's also possible, as we said earlier, that Becky just got the story wrong. And then in fact, she was always going to take Adnan. But I think by the time school let out that day, she was going to take him. We'll talk about the 236 call. The police and the prosecution thought this was the come get me call at Best Buy. I think this call was more likely either a call to Jay, a sort of get ready call, or possibly a call saying, hey, I am going to be at the Best Buy at a certain time because I think Adnan always intended to take Hay to the Best Buy and always knew that he would need a ride from the Best Buy, however things went, because Hay was going to have to go get her cousin. So there's that call. It's possible that Jay leaves shortly after that, as we've talked about before. If you look at the pings, after this call, Jay moves slightly to the west, away from Jen's house. And I think at one point, Jay even says the second call, the one from Adnan, who's now at the Best Buy, he was driving at the time. So I think that would be consistent with that. That's a little unclear. We can't know that for sure. But I think at some point, there's an indication, hey, come to the Best Buy. I think it's also possible that this call happened at the library. You know, we talked a lot about Asia's letters. I kind of think Asia's telling the truth. I realize that's controversial. A lot of people think she's lying. I kind of think she's telling the truth. I just don't think it's that significant in the grand scheme of things. At that point, I think Adnan gets into the car with Hay, and I think he drives. I think this was not that unusual for Adnan. Adnan was in her car a lot. There are fingerprints in the car. We didn't even talk about that much because the fact that Adnan's fingerprints are in the car probably isn't all that significant. Adnan was in her car all the time. But I think at this point, Adnan is driving her car. I think he had told her, hey, I need to take, I need to drive to the shop, then I'll jump out. You can get in your car. You can go get your cousin. I think instead, he took her to a place that was very special to both of them, a place where they had a lot of good memories. I think he took her to the Best Buy, not necessarily because it was a secluded place to murder someone, but because it was a place filled with positive memories. Alice and I talked about this at the very beginning. Adnan is full of romantic gestures, and I think he thought this one would work. And I think at that time, he asked her to go to prom with him. And I think she said no. I think Adnan got mad. What exactly happened at that point is hard to say. You can imagine him asking her why. Maybe he asks her about Don. Maybe he asks her if she and Don are having sex. At some point, Adnan, from the driver's seat, lunges at Hay. She hits her head on the door, the passenger side door, as he forces her back, which would be consistent with the autopsy report and the head trauma that you see. He begins to strangle her, and she kicks up and hits the windshield wiper bar, knocking it off of the steering column. But she can't escape, and her attempts to tell Adnan she is sorry do not stop him. 
he kills her. And at that point, maybe he pulls down the seats in the back, which open up to the trunk and rolls her body into the trunk. Maybe he gets out, sees no one is looking, it's secluded and quickly moves her into the trunk. Either way, at that point, he either calls Jay or waits on him and the cover up is on. And there is one piece of evidence that when I saw it made me stop what I was doing and crystallized this entire theory for me. And this happens sometimes in a case. Sometimes in a case, you come across something and you just think, wow. And the wow moment for me was a photograph of the back of Hay's car. And in that photograph is a picture of a map book. It's a map book that Hay often kept in the driver's side pocket of her car. The map is open. And in fact, Adnan's fingerprints will be found on that map. Removed from the map book is a page showing Leakin Park. But that's not what got me. It's what's sitting on the map book. It is described in the police inventory report as a rose and baby's breath wrapped. Adnan's prints, including his finger and palm print, are found on the floral paper wrapped around the rose and the baby's breath. And that rose is sitting on the open map book. What was the big moment for their relationship? There are two of them. Junior prom. And when Adnan went out and bought a single rose and brought it to class and gave it to Hay in front of everyone. And it was such a romantic moment. And Hay was blown away by it. And she writes in her diary that she took that rose home and she put it in a vase, the one from the junior prom. I think Adnan thought this was going to be another one of those grand gestures in the Best Buy parking lot where they had had so many loving moments and he was going to pull that rose out, relive that moment, ask her to go to prom and everything would be okay. It would be back to the way it was supposed to be. And she said no. And when she did that, it enraged him so much that he murdered her. All right, Brett. You know, people always ask if we ever disagree. Today might be one of those days. Okay. Because for anyone who thinks that you are too hard on Adnan, that you have your mind made up about Adnan, that he's not as bad of a guy as you've painted him to be, I think that you're actually an incredible softie on him. And here's why. I think we're looking at the same set of facts. And there's a lot of what you said that resonates with me, but I do not think this is a crime of passion whatsoever. I think this was premeditated. And Adnan knew exactly what he was going to do if Hay chose the wrong choice. In a lot of ways, that was the rose. She was given a choice, and in his mind, she was the one sealing her own fate. She had one of two choices. Fall back into his arms, not simply take him back, but be, com be completely swooned by him, and fall on her own sword, realize her own faults of falling for some silly dawn. This wasn't just a, I'll take you back. It was a, please, Adnan, take me back. It was that, 
or she would die. And here's why I think that. So premeditation and crime of passion, like you say, it's a fine line, and sometimes it's hard to draw. And really, maybe our disagreement is a disagreement of on a spectrum. But I think it's very instructive for those of you who grew up with like the Ten Commandments, who maybe grew up in church or setting, you know, thou shalt not murder. If you've ever been to like a, even a child Sunday school, you've probably heard of the teaching that murder is more than just murder. Right. The Bible doesn't just say thou shalt not murder. It says you've even committed murder if you hold anger in your heart against your brother, something like that. And I think that's instructive here because there was a burning anger towards Hay's actions that he felt offended him. And so little by little in his heart, he was harboring murder like anger towards Hay, probably from about the aim profile. So for a week, it was building on top of each other. And he even used the language of, I'm going to kill her. She's going to die. And he used much more aggressive language than that. Because I think in his eyes, his eyes were angry with murder. And if it were one day, perhaps he could cool off. But as the week built on and his ego swelled and it swelled and it swelled and he couldn't understand why this time was different than all the other times they broke up, that murderous rage was beginning to blind him. And it was becoming exponential within his heart. That's why we have people saying that he said those words, I'm going to kill her well before the 13th. I think he dreamed of killing her. He was a passionate guy. He took big gestures. And I think we'd all be lying if we didn't at some point fantasize or have some image of our mind of doing something incredibly violent. We are emotional creatures who live out a lot of our fantasies in our minds. And that's where it needs to stay if we're going to exist in this society where there are rules. If you break those rules, you get prosecuted for murder. But all of us have murderous rage at some times. Now, intensify that with a lot of pot smoking and being 17 years old and generally being a very egotistical guy who was on top of the world. He was prom prince. And he'd been able to swoon hay over and over. But all of a sudden, he had lost his superpower. She didn't look at him the same way. So for that week, and it was a long week, a week is long when you're 17, when you're a senior in high school. Each day, it built and it built and it built. That murderous rage was building with him. And that fantasy that he was living out in his head of being able to vindicate himself, either, I think there were two fantasies happening. She was going to swoon for him again, or she was going to die because there was no one who could hurt him that way without having to pay for it. This was the just world that existed in Adnan's brain. And there are a couple things. This isn't just trying to read into Adnan's head. There are a couple things from the timeline that make me convinced this was not merely a crime of passion that happened in the car as he was trying for the last time to win her over. And when she said no, he couldn't believe it. And he just accidentally killed her. I think he went into that day, the 13th, knowing that she would live if she made the right choice or she would die. There was no other option and he would be the one to end her. 
And this is because we know that Jay's story has changed over time. But really, honestly, in the scheme of all the cases we've prosecuted, Jay lies just about as much as every other witness that we have. And we've said that before. Jay knew the plan the day before. I don't know whether he believed it or not, but he knew that Adnan had murder on his mind. He may not even have justified it. He being Adnan may not even have justified it as murder because he thought perhaps there was no world in which Hay couldn't choose him. If this was just about getting Hay alone and winning her back over, he did not need to leave his phone or his car with Jay. He thought about it the day before. He made the plan the day before. I think it probably crystallized around that 1145 midnight call to Hay when he was giving her all of these chances. And in his mind, he's thinking, you are running out of chances, woman. The last chance is coming tomorrow. And so when that last call came, and I think it went down, not that she was begging to get back together with him, but quite the opposite. He probably debased himself for the first time in their relationship to grovel to her. I do think he groveled that day because of the way he described how Hay groveled to him. I don't think he's ever done that before. And when he hit that low bottom, he realized there was no other way out. He had become something other than what he knew himself to be. He didn't even recognize himself. He would never beg a girl to like him. That wasn't Adnan. And so he'd been saying he was going to murder Hay. He didn't really mean it. He kind of did. It was a fantasy, but that fantasy was becoming clear and clear in his mind and no longer living in his head. It was now going to be outside of his body into the reality of the world that he existed in. If he just wanted to get Hay alone to convince her to get back together with him, he did not need to leave his car behind. Okay, fine. Let's say he needed his car as an excuse to get into Hay's car. Leave the car behind. It doesn't need to be with Jay. Someone he says that he doesn't know that well. He could have parked his car somewhere. He could have left his car at home. He could have driven it to a shop and just parked it there for the day, pretending to get an oil change. Why did he leave his phone? The phone that he had gotten the day before. A phone that his parents didn't know about. That Bilal had to get for him and put under Bilal's name to activate that phone and give it to Jay. Jay didn't need his phone if Jay didn't need to be part of a plan to help Adnan escape a crime scene. In fact, it would only help Adnan's case to have his cell phone on himself if he were trying to get back together with Hay. He could be texting her sweet nothings. He could be calling her. He could be calling Misha to make Hay jealous. He didn't need his phone not to be on his body in order to get alone with Hay. Perhaps the car, but not the phone. He made an elaborate plan to have both the phone and the car be with Jay. Someone he'd never done this with before. And yes, he'd had sex with Hay many times before at the Best Buy. And perhaps in his mind, no matter how this ended, whether she was going to take him back or they had sex, that he needed a ride because she needed to go get her cousin. Except the problem is, by Adnan's own words, he had had sex with Hay in that car in the Best Buy parking lot many times before, and he'd never arranged a ride before. So he'd either gone with Hay to pick up her cousin, or he walked somewhere. Or he arranged a ride with someone who was not the person he thought to arrange it with that day. 
if it was just going to be like any other day. Instead, he arranged it to be calling someone on a phone he activated the day before who he has never really hung out with before, who doesn't know that well, to come pick him up. And he doesn't call him in a panic. He calls him three times. He calls him. Adnan calls Jay three times to ensure that Jay has the phone, that he can reach him, and that he knows what the plan is, all before the murder is supposed to have happened. Because of all this, I think this falls well into the bucket of premeditation. And so when we can talk about what happened that day, if he was in the library, if he asked, he absolutely asked Hay for a ride. But I think when he got into her car, whether she said she couldn't give him a ride and he smoothed his way into her car, whatever happened, he knew that she was getting a rose and she had two choices. And what was going to happen was up to her. And that's why he's been able to walk around for the last 20 years as if he's done nothing wrong is because in his mind, he thinks that she chose her own fate and he was merely following through with the laws of nature. She had to die. He didn't choose it. She had a choice. And by choosing not Adnan, she was choosing to die. Everything's passive. Nothing was Adnan's fault. And that's why I think he can be someone who has a sterling record in prison. He can be someone who gets on a podcast and is able to win us all over with his boy next door sweetness. Because to this day, he doesn't recognize that he is the one who murdered Hay. Hay was the one who murdered Hay in Adnan's mind. And that's why he is someone I cannot begin to have sympathies for. My level of rage for what he has done to Hay and what he's done to Hay's family and the memory of Hay and what he's done to everyone involved in this case. I don't just mean the people who testified at his trial. I mean the people who have spent their lives fighting for his innocence and his freedom. He knows exactly what he's done. But he continues to live in his fantasy land that he is a sterling, white, innocent flower who is the victim of Hay's decisions. And I don't have a doubt that the conviction was correct beyond a reasonable doubt. I love you, Alice. I love you, too. <laughs> Oh man, I miss you. I miss you. And <laughs> I miss you too. <laughs> okay, truly, uh, everyone watching this, I didn't know what you were going to say at all. I didn't know. I thought you were going to say premeditation, to be honest. This is why we let Alice do the uh, rebuttal closing. <laughs> so, well, let me just say, I don't actually disagree with anything you said. I think everything, I think all that's true. I guess the only twist on it, I think he is, I think he was so arrogant and confident that he really thought she was gonna she was gonna say yes and come over to him and so when i the rage i guess i'm talking about the rage i think you're right i think he had thought about killing her before he'd obviously talked to jay about it i think some of it might have been bluster i think he was building himself up to do that i think everything you said is 100 percent right about the way he looked at it though and i think her saying no to him was such a triggering event for him that that yeah and and i would have no when i say crime of passion i just 
I guess what I'm meaning is that sort of rage that you described that came over him in that moment. I think it's like, look, I have no problem with him being convicted for premeditated murder because I think he went into it prepared to kill her if necessary, even if he didn't believe it. You know what I mean? Sort of hard to describe. Like, I think he had thought about killing her for all the reasons you said, but like, I mean, honestly, and, and, and I think you're right. I am probably more of a, a wimp than you are. I always feel like, man, to kill somebody, you gotta, you gotta be, and I know that's not true. We talk about it all the time. That's not true that you have to be as angry as people think, but I just feel like when she said no to him, man, he became so mad that that was, and it is a strangling crime, very personal crime, very, you know, emotional crime. I mean, it all fits, but yeah, that was, that was beautiful, Alice. That was beautiful. I have, you know, if we made I concede, a movie, I concede the argument. <laughs> no, do not concede. People always say we have to disagree. You know, it's almost like if we, if a movie were made about this, I would see the week leading up to her murder, where you know you have like these hazy dreamlike sequences in your mind, and it's of him strangling her. It's of him stabbing her. It's of him killing her in different ways. That's all in a dreamlike sequence. But as each day gets closer to the 13th, the the dreamlike sequence gets clearer and clearer and clearer until basically like the midnight of the 12th, it's as if it were happening already. That's kind of how I see it, right? Like, like the murderous rage was building and it maybe would have been a crime of passion seven days prior, but by the day that it happened, he absolutely knew what he was going to do, except he was going to give her the decision. On the Jordan Harbinger show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show.